0: The Fantasy Six Pack Hour. With your hosts, Joe Bond. Ah, you're awful. And AJ Appledo. It's Sin Shoo Choo. a mouthful.
1: All right. Welcome back to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond. Host of the show and uh, content manager of, over on so-called fantasy experts and founder of fantasysixpack.net. Co-host on the line is AJ Abigail. What's going on, man?
0: Hey, what's up? How are you?
1: Um, angry and confused all at the same time. Uh, I'm sure you watched that Orioles game last night, but I am none too happy as a nose fan and. Nor should I be. So I'm I'm not pleased with Buck Showalter right now.
0: Well, I yes, there there is blame to be placed on Buck, but I still think that that is overshadowing the error and missed catch in right field by Michael Bourne that allowed Toronto to tie the the game you know, because of the guy getting on second base from that and then eventually scoring. I, I'm i a big Michael Bourne fan. I watched the guy come up through the ranks up in Philly. You know, I, I think he's a he's – a, I'd say great player, you know, in his prime. I think he might be a little past his prime, but he's still solid defense. And he made a, a hell of a catch earlier in the game. So – You know, to me, that that was the turning point of the game, obviously. And for all the hype that the Orioles' bullpen got for, you know, being better than Toronto's bullpen, you know, I think they went wire to wire with each other. But here you go. The difference is that they put in their closer, Osuna, and, you know, before he potentially tweaked something, uh, you know, he was pitching lights out along with the rest of their bullpen. So, yeah, I think Britain should have come into the game at some point, but I understand why he didn't. Because Buck knew that as soon as, you know, the bats woke up, if they would have woken up and gotten to, you know, us an extra run and gotten us back in the lead, we absolutely would have had Britain, and he may have pitched him two innings, and the game would have been over. So, I don't completely blame Buck. I, I do think it was a a poor move,
1: <clears throat> um, but you know,
0: to me, got, it wasn't
1: the fact that he didn't even play Britain. I get saving Britain for when you have the lead and Toronto's bats are up last. I understand that. What I don't understand is. Why you put in Ubaldo Jimenez. Now, I even know that Ubaldo had a great September, but it is Ubaldo Jimenez, the most untrustworthy pitcher we have on the entire staff. I have not liked Ubaldo. I never liked the signing. He's been nothing but minus maybe a handful of starts. Nothing but awful. And he keeps going back to him, and he went back to him in a stressful situation, and it cost us. And my other thing is, every time he had somebody come in, he had another guy warming up behind him, ready yeah. to make the if he needed to. Why not do the same thing for Ubaldo Jimenez, who you know is... un. Things can unravel so quickly for him. When you saw two, like, pretty much bam-bam hits off of him, take him out of the game. He should have been yanked after
0: the first one.
1: He should have Uh, been yanked
0: after the first one. I agree. but I I don't know why he left him in for the second one, because that alone could have cost him the game. I mean, he got lucky there that I, I think it was Donaldson that was on third.
1: Yeah, he didn't yeah.
0: end up getting around and, and scoring yeah, no, on I, that, that a bad, next
1: hit. Just, yeah, um, it was a bad um, uh, base running error. And, I mean, that should have ended and, the game right there. I mean, and, like, again, it's just another situation of Buck poor management. And just uh, there's so many things that anger me about this game. We need to move on. I could talk about it for way too long. I'm just yeah, upset about I, it. I
0: will. I'm
1: tired uh, lastly,
0: of – Lastly, I just want to say that hit by Donaldson down the line was a beautiful hit. And, you know, they were talking about how they were putting the shift on and this and that, and they, they zoomed out and showed the shift, and everybody is over on that left side. So, you know, Manny just wasn't in good enough position for it, but that was a screamer down the line. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was fair ball, and it was a it was a solid hit by him. And that, that right there got them pumped up enough, but yeah, he should have been pulled after that and, and they should have brought Britton in there or, or even somebody else. But, uh, you know, and I think Tillman could have gotten pulled after the Bourne missed play. They could have put Tillman out then, but, you know, Buck wanted to keep him in and see if he could get the out and he still ended up pulling him that inning. So, You know, it it could have got, it could have been worse in that inning if if it had not been for that, you know, one pitch double play that Givens turned. But anyway, yeah, it was a route. I'm getting my $1,200 back. Thanks for for that, (laughs) Orioles. I'm happy about that, but I would have been much happier going to see the ALDS games one and two potentially at, at home and then. The ALCS game two and then World Series game two, so great. Yeah. yeah,
1: that would have been pretty nice. I'm. Uh...
0: Yeah, I, I just got my tickets FedEx package yesterday. I didn't even open it and look at them because I wanted oh, to wait geez. till the game was over. And now I just don't even know if I want to open them. So, all right, moving on.
1: Just a big tease. Yeah. All right, so moving on. Um, another. Something else I want to forget about is week four of the football season, most notably my fantasy football teams. And uh, so we're not going to talk too much about week four. There's really not a whole lot of headlines to talk about anyway. It was kind of a weird week. I mean, we're talking Detroit, Chicago had a combined 34 points. It was a pretty weird week. Um, nothing seemed to go as planned, at least in my book. I don't know about you. But, uh,
0: yeah, not, I, well, we uh, we being my coworkers and I and the team that we set up in that 10-team two-quarterback league took our first loss this week um, to the guy that was 0-3 and does not have a great team, but he kind of had good output. But I went, you know, 2-0 in my other
1: two leagues, so uh, it wasn't a bad week for me. Yeah, it was a very forgettable week for me, so we can we can move on. But week five does bring the return of Tom Brady. And what do you say?
0: I said the flight gate. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, you know, are, are you ready? Uh, obviously, Tom Brady goes back in your lineups if you drafted him um, you know if you drafted him you've likely got somebody on the lines of like Philip Rivers or Stafford or somebody like that the Stafford's got a pretty juicy matchup this week but you're still putting in Tom Brady my question to you is what does this do for the rest of the New, New England Patriots offense
0: I think it's a, a huge upgrade uh, I mean, no offense to Garoppolo and um, you know Brissett. You know they they came in and they played they played great. You know for for the couple weeks that they were there and needed, so that was good. But you know Tom Brady is Tom Brady, so it's it was never a question of well if these guys come in and and you know play their asses off or are we going to bench Tom Brady? And when he comes back, no, I mean, that was never going to happen. So kudos to them for, for making it three and one and um, you know, and and now they have their, their goat back. So we'll see if uh, what he's going to do, but I think it's a boost for everybody on that roster.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Obviously, you know, you're looking at Edelman really picking things back up. Uh, although he did pretty well with Garoppolo in. You're looking at the running backs. The one thing I'll say about the running backs is now, like, do you go back to where Garrett Blunt has been a monster so far this season? And I think it's because the Patriots have been kind of relying on their running game a little more. Do you look at maybe – like Garrett Blunt taking a step back and somebody like James White maybe taking a little bit of a step forward and in PPR leagues becoming maybe a flex option because as we know, Brady loves to do that, you know, check down kind of screen pass type of thing to the running back as one of his main staples.
0: Yeah, I mean and with Dion Lewis still out, um you know, I, I do think White might become a a, a bigger role player right now. I still think uh, LeGarrette Blount's going to be good, and he's going to get his his touches. Maybe not as many. I do think that that'll scale back, but I can definitely see, you know, him still being a productive back, and you know, a solid RB two, you know, flex guy. But I, I do think White comes back into the conversation as a flex guy, or, or maybe an, uh, an RB2, borderline RB2, depending on this week. Let's see what he does this week. You know, granted, it's against Cleveland, so he could have a good game anyways. But I I, I want to see what he does this week before. I'm I'm definitely calling him running back, too. But you got bye weeks. You've got injuries right. all over the place. So, I mean, he's a guy that people – I think went out and drafted probably before Blunt, you know, in most drafts, but he just hasn't done anything yet.
1: No, he hasn't. The, the other position that's very interesting, and this kind of ties into our next, our next topic here is the tight end position for the new England Patriots. You know, you've got, you've got Gronk back and, You know, when he when he came back in week three, everybody was like, Oh boy, here comes Gronk, you know, you've got him back, he's probably a first, second round pick for you. Plug him in your lineup, you're good to go. Well he's been miserable. Um a a lot of that can be thrown on Jacoby Brissett's, you know, lack of passing attack, I guess. Um but what I'm concerned with is there's whatever reports that came out of new England that Gronk is not even close to a hundred percent yet with that hamstring. And you could, if you look at the number of routes, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if you look at the number of routes that Gronk ran last week compared to Martellus Bennett, it was, it was way in the favor of Martellus Bennett. And you could even see like Martellus Bennett had a good game. I think it was like six for 109 or something like that. So, um, he, you know, Bennett had a good game even with Brissette there. Gronk stayed in and blocked a lot. Um, does does that just automatically change now that Brady's back? Because he won't have to block as much, or are we worried about about Gronk and maybe not starting him automatically right now?
0: I mean, coming into this season, I was worried about Gronk because of a what you had to pay to get him even though, you know, I I have said on previous shows that I would pay to get him. But knowing that, I was really targeting Martellus Bennett because Bennett's a proven tight end. You know, he puts up points and he's had two really good games this year and, you know, one kind of stinker and then one somewhat, you know, decent game. So I think that, It it helps to have him there, and we've seen in the past what Brady's done with the other tight ends once Gronk's either been injured or just not at 100% and and more out there as a decoy. So I'm not necessarily jumping on board with with automatically starting him now that Brady's back. I do think that they may tend to set him loose a little bit more, but – it doesn't make him an automatic start in my mind.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. In fact, I've got him ranked right now. I have him ranked as the number – where'd he go? I have him ranked as the number 12 tight end this week. And I've got Bennett number six. So, you know, I'm giving a little bit – like I probably should have Gronk ranked right? ranked way lower but because it's Gronk like I'm afraid to rank him too low because he could just do Gronk things you know um but I I'm I'm pretty worried about him and and I kind of think if I was an owner of him I, I definitely would have a backup option for the next couple of weeks until Gronk can prove that he's Gronk again and yeah you might that might mean you miss out on that like huge week from him but it also means that you might not have to deal with a couple dud weeks here in a row where he does nothing. So that's that's how I think I play it. But moving on to some other tight ends, you know, I initially had some notes down that Tyler Eifert was going to return and, you know, Jordan Reed did really well. But it kind of turned into, uh-oh, we got a bunch of injuries now for the tight end position. And it's become kind of a jumbled mess. Um, Eifert sustained a, a back injury earlier this week. He was supposed to be returning from from a uh, from a foot injury, I believe, is what it was. Or what was his injury? I'm kind of blanking on it right now for some reason. Ankle. Oh, Eifert. Um, ankle. Yeah. yeah. Eifert was an ankle. I said foot. Um, they're at least connected. Uh, <laughs> so Eifert, you know, he sustained a back injury. I think they're calling it. They're calling him like day to day, but now it's going to be pretty much he's out this week, um, and it sucks. I actually picked him up in a couple of leagues this week, thinking he was back, he was available um, in a couple of leagues that I was in, and I took the chance on him. So now I'm having to go scour the waiver wire for another another tight end, but I, I. I are you holding on to this guy? Do you have him still? Like, I don't know what to do with Tyler Eifert. You know, I think I'm going to drop him in all the leagues I picked him up in. But, you know, what what are you what are you going to do with this guy? Own him? Um, I, I mean, me
0: personally, in, in my league that I run, I picked him up. I actually drafted him um, as I believe my last pick because I have an IR spot. Uh, so. I, I threw him in the IR spot for the first couple of weeks and was able to just pick up, you know, someone else and use that roster spot. Now, unfortunately, every Wednesday, they change all the injury, you know, from out to questionable or whatever, it seems like. And, you know, I end up, I kind of got screwed this week, but I, I think that he is still worth holding, especially if you can throw him in the IR spot and then, you know, wait until he's listed as out. Um, But it looks like he suffered a back injury uh, um, at practice on Monday. So, you know, first it's this ankle injury, and and now all of a sudden he's running a route and tweaks his back. So I don't know if it's more from just not necessarily being able to be in as good of game shape as possible since he was out, you know, through the preseason and whatnot. Um, I'm kind of blaming it a little bit more on that. So I'm not making much of it, but at the same time, back injuries are so finicky. So I'm going to hold on to him for at least one more week. And if you have the roster space and you're not getting slammed by bye week, you know, guys being out, I I think he's still worth holding on to. I don't know if I would drop him in all of your leagues, even if he's not able to take an IR spot.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, the other issue for me is my other tight end is Julius Thomas, who Hmm. is on bye. So it's kind of like, do I drop Thomas or drop Eifert, who I don't know if he's even going to return next week now. And so I think I'm just going to Dump Eifert, but we'll see. I haven't made up my mind completely yet, but yeah, I mean, there's a couple of other tight ends that are hurt now. Uh, I think Ebron was ruled out this week already, so that's another blow. You got Jacob yeah. Tamme. He's he's questionable, but it sounds like he's likely to play with a hip injury. Um, God, there, I know there's a bunch of tight ends, and I'm, I'm I had um
0: Rudolph. I was saying earlier, Rudolph got. Um uh, what was the thing? that popped up on my phone earlier. He is now looking at Oh he's a rib, uh, rib a injury. He's status, likely to play. Yeah. Um
1: Zach Classical Miller is another rib. one. Yeah. Zach Miller's another one. He's his status is uncertain with a rib injury, so that's another big one there. I mean, we've just we've seen so many tight ends go down now and it. I mean, if you don't have, you know, one of these top six healthy tight ends, you're looking at starting somebody like Will Ty at this point. I mean, you're looking at some pretty garbage tight ends to be starting. Yeah. Um, Charles, it, Charles Clay
0: is another one that's questionable because yeah, of his knee. didn't really. practice today. It, you know, Jordan Cameron, concussion, didn't practice today. Yeah,
1: but they're uh, not. I'm just I mean, going to do the Yeah. I mean, the tight end position is looking like a disaster, man. I don't know what to do with it. Well, they're
0: they're guys that you might go after if you had one of these other guys initially that was injured or if you have Jimmy Graham or or Kelsey both on bye this week um, and Sleener. Not that he's really done a lot this year, but still, uh, you know, he's got more upside than some of these other guys. So, yeah, yeah, tight end. Tight end was a really deep position, um, in my opinion. But now it's like every everybody there is injured, and it's surprising that one of them's not Jordan Reed.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, pretty much. Um, and, and and actually, like Graham, Graham's looking healthy and and really good again. So yeah, he is. Who knows, man? The tight end position is getting turned up turned on its head and. I don't really know what to think of it each week. You know, I I write the, I write the tight end rankings reaction over on so-called fantasy experts every week where I kind of say who I like and don't like uh, as much in the rankings as compared to the other rankers over there. And, Luckily, it didn't get – it's supposed to get posted today. It actually, for some reason, didn't. And uh, I'm kind of glad it didn't because I actually had originally put Tyler Eifert in there as somebody who I liked more. And then halfway through the day today, he got cut or got, you know, ruled out. So that would have looked really bad. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a, it's a mess, man. But, yeah, you know, we've got a bunch of other injuries too. Uh, not nearly as many as last week, but um, – yeah. Kevin White's probably the biggest one as far as um, well, there's, there's a couple of pretty major ones actually. And I'll do those two first and then I'll go back to the other ones, but Kevin White, he's put on the IR. Um, his injury sounds like it could possibly knock him out for the rest of the year. Once again, they're talking maybe surgery. Uh, so that's, that's not good news. And of course you've already got Alshon Jeffrey injured over there. If if anybody you know that I don't want anything to do with this bears offense right now man they're they're a total disaster honestly um, you're looking at some pretty scrubby players It's the ones getting all the reps over there I mean that's scrubs i mean I, I like um, what's his name, Jordan Howard, but you know when you've got nothing else really out there, everybody's gonna focus on you, and we've seen how that works out for for running backs who just get all the focus, but, um, yeah, Kevin White, you know, that's not good news. The other one here is Eric Decker. Um, this is a pretty big one. They're talking a shoulder. What is it? Shoulder sprain, shoulder separation or something like that. They're saying he might be able to return this year, but man, I don't know. They, you know, they kind of talked about, um, surgery with him too, but I guess they, they ruled it out. Yeah, partially torn rotator cuff
0: is Ugh. progressing every day per uh, head coach Todd Bowles. But, I mean, he didn't practice today. He hasn't played the last two weeks, I think, Um, you know, or kept him out last week, sorry. Last
1: week. He we played um, the week before but didn't do a whole yeah, lot. Yeah, but he only
0: had one catch for 31 yards. So right. I don't, I mean, and he was he was looking real good coming into the season, you know, especially mm-hmm. going but it was into... Fitzpatrick coming back. Yeah, um, but I mean, we, we've seen what Fitzpatrick has done lately, or Fitz or interception mid-touches. we should call him. Um, Fitz pick six. So, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do with Decker, because cause I have him in a couple of leagues, and you know, I was really high on him. The the one league, I think I'm I'm okay to drop him because there's a there's a lot of receiver depth. It's only a ten team, and we only start two receivers. So there's a lot of other guys. I mean, nobody necessarily of his caliber sitting out there. But I, I mean, I think we got to take a chance on on somebody else if he's going to miss you know significant time. I don't want to just keep him on the roster for it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, you know, somebody else asked me today if, if they should cut, I forget what the question was on Twitter. I forget who they asked me if they should drop Sony for Decker. And I was like, probably not, man. Like, I don't really think he's going to come back. And if he does, it'll be so late. I mean, if you have an IR spot or if you're like four and O and you've got uh, a deep bench or something like that, then fine. I guess stash him, see what happens. You know, maybe he could be a late playoff push type of guy, but I'm not really banking on him, you know, making a, a lot of noise.
0: Yeah, me neither, unfortunately. And like I said, I was definitely high on him coming into the season. But, you know, they got Quincy uh, Inunwa. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And he's he's really stepped up and played well. Um, he was kind of the waiver wire darling after the first first week and really the second week because he's put up, you know, two solid games back-to-back. And even the last two games, he's had four, four for 37, not great, but six for 60, not bad either. So he's on a good pace. Um, but – so a couple other guys we got here, a couple big big name quarterbacks too. Um, Carson Palmer is out right now. Uh, looks like he will not make uh, the start tomorrow against San Fran due to uh, concussion. So he's already ruled out, and you know that that not only does it hurt Arizona in general, but the fact that it's a concussion. Um, and, and we know that Palmer's an injury history type of guy, you know, this could linger for a couple of weeks. It, you know, it could benefit them that they're playing this on the short week and playing Thursday because now he's got a little extra time to try to get back to uh, back to good and, and be able to, to come back here, you know, next week um, and, and pick up against the Jets. But, you know, Carson Palmer again, he's out. So, uh, you know, he had a, a pretty miserable last couple of games compared to the first two games. Um, and, and I think, you know, they may be in trouble this week against San Fran. Um, another big quarterback that's out right now, uh, Mr. Superman himself, Cam Newton. Um, you know, this is obviously a huge blow to Carolina uh, he's listed as questionable right now, but again, it's concussion. So he wasn't pre- uh, wasn't at the media portion of today's practice. Um, they're not really sure if if he'll be able to get any work in today, uh, or if he was able to get any work in. I don't know. But he's got to be cleared of all of these symptoms before he can even go out and try to play this week. So I, I'm not banking on him playing. Um, granted, they do have the Monday game, so he's got an extra day to to try it to. make it
1: worse though? Unless you want to pick up.
0: Uh... Well, it does. I mean, you're looking at Derek Anderson. I mean, yeah. it, it's a nice, real nice matchup against Tampa Bay, and you know we've seen Anderson come in in the past and and have a, a decent, you know, showing, but Tampa Bay has given up. At least two touchdowns to quarterbacks in every game this year, um, and they have two three hundred games against Matt Ryan in week one and and Palmer in week two three hundred plus. So, right. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm almost thinking you know this this could be a, a trap game for Carolina and Tampa Bay could sneak up and and win win this game so. Uh, you know those are two two big huge injuries as well to keep an eye on a um, couple more guys we got here uh listed are are just running backs um Frank gore just popped up today uh he he didn't practice today because of an apparent chest injury um you know to me, I think it's more of a maintenance thing gore's a he's a stalwart he's he's a workhorse he's gonna be out there. Um, so I'm not too worried about this right now, um, but something to keep an eye on. And Latavius Murray missed practice today with a toe injury. So something else to keep an eye on there. Um, you know, they got a big tilt against San Diego this week with, uh, you know, division, divisional games are always huge. So, you know, Murray's been okay this year. I, I don't, he's been kind of more of, you he very, he's been the defended. main guy. Yeah, he's been the main guy, but I just don't feel. I mean, they just have you know Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington there also getting yeah. touches. So, I mean, he's not he's not blowing it away. Put it that way. Um, you know, they're they're kind of more of a, a running back committee there. So, something to keep an eye on though, because he has had you know pretty much double digit points every week so far, uh, aside from last week for his first week without a touchdown, uh, by the way, as well. So.
1: Yeah. But, Murray, Murray worries me. I've got him a couple of spots you know, I thought he was going to be the guy, you know, get, you know, I thought he was just going to be a, a big workload type of guy. Not that I truly liked him going in from a, a skill standpoint, but, you know, just getting as many touches as I thought he was going to get, you know, who knew that DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard were going to take so many touches away from him. I don't think anybody thought that that was going to happen. So now yeah. that this is happening, it's, it's just, it hurts even more. So, you know, yeah. that that's what happens, but, um, but yeah, so we are at the quarter point of the season and not a, not a whole lot that I you know, want to, you know, rehash here or kind of go over, um, the quarter point I feel like is a good barometer for, you know, maybe how your, your team should do going forward. But, you know, keep in mind things change really quick in the NFL and I, I've seen teams start Oh and three or one and three and you know, Oh, and I, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody start Oh and four and like win it all, but I have definitely seen teams start like one and three and, and just go on a big run. Um, yeah. And so you definitely not out of it. Make the right moves. Pick up the hot waiver wire. You, you never know. Um, but that said, I, I wanted to I wanted to give everybody our one buy low candidate and our one sell high candidate. And I'll let you start with your with your buy low. Uh, well, my buy
0: low guy is Eddie Lacy. Um, I know you know coming into the season he was getting a decent amount of hype. He lost a lot of weight. He had his head in the right spot. And, you know, he was kind of my second running back target that I wanted to try to get on, on my teams. Um, But, you know, he, uh, he's still a solid back. I mean, he finally had a, a kind of a breakout game, had his first hundred yard game against Detroit in week three. And then he, then he went on the bye. So for him, it's not even necessarily the quarter point, Um, but, you know, he, he's still been producing. I think the touchdowns are going to come. You know, he faces off against a couple NFC East foes with the giants and, and Dallas um, both home games and then another home game against Chicago. So, He's got three fairly decent matchups coming up. Um, I I like what he's gonna do. Uh, you know the 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 biggest knock against him that I see right now is that he could hurt you in the playoffs. So he he's he's looking at you know playing against Seattle at home in week 14 at Chicago in week 15, and then back at home again against Minnesota in 16, which is most people's championship week. So that kind of hurts, but I still like him. I think he's going to be, he's going to, he's going to produce, and he's going to be definitely worthy of running back to borderline running back one numbers in my mind.
1: Yeah, and on that same token, there I will stick with the same team and say that my buy low is going to be Randall Cobb. I initially had Alshon Jeffrey on here um, because with the news with Kevin White, I thought maybe you know Alshon was going to just get so many more targets that he was going to be a huge buy you know buy low guy, but now he's kind of dealing with a, another another injury on top of his other multiple ones, and I'm just I can't, I can't say that he's a, a good player to go after just because he's so injury prone. And, but my guy is Randall Cobb and, you know, he has started out really, really slow um, dropping passes here and there. But I think now that Jordy Nelson looks like he's pretty much back to a hundred percent, that's going to get this offense back to where they used to be and I think it's going to help Lacey. I think it's going to help Cobb. It's, you know, we're going, we're going to see kind of the, I think we're going to see the 2013 Packers here real quick or maybe the 2014 one, whatever the, whatever this season that they were just absolutely crazy good on offense. Um, and so I think, I think Cobb's a, a great buy low candidate. <clears throat> now my sell high candidate, as much as I like this guy, I think it's going to be Stephon Diggs. Everybody is still remembering that Monday night or Sunday night game against Green Bay where he just tore it up. He's had two pretty mediocre weeks since. And I think kind of what I expected to have happen is defenses are now starting to look at him and see that he's pretty much the only real receiving threat on that team. Sure, you got Charles Johnson. You could see it on Monday night against New York. They forced the ball to guys like Charles Johnson and Cordell, Cordell Patterson, but it wasn't quite the same. The offense was not working when they passed the ball to that, quite like it does when they give the ball to Diggs. And Diggs is still going to be productive, but I think at this point you can sell pretty high on Diggs based off those first couple of weeks and get a return on investment that – is going to be much greater than selling digs. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. I,
0: I do like digs. You know, I was really on board with him uh, when he really hit the scene and blew up for those three or four weeks straight, but then he completely fell off. And, and I could see that happening again this year, especially like you said, if these teams are going to start keying in on him and being like, these other guys aren't going to do anything. And if they are, let's make them do something. Let's force their hand to throw the ball somewhere else. So I can see him, you know, getting double teamed and, and you know, maybe triple teamed in some instances depending on the route. But I definitely think he's he's a worthwhile candidate for, for sell high. Um, the guy that I have listed here is the guy that I mentioned earlier, Jordan Reed. I mean he's he's currently the number 2 tight end um in ESPN leagues. He is he is a monster when he's healthy, but that's just it and that's why I have him listed here is because I don't know how long you can trust him. And it seems like every year there's something that goes wrong where he misses time. Um you know, last year I feel like he was only out a few games, but he was productive when he wasn't. So you could hurt yourself by getting rid of him, but I think now is definitely the time, especially with all these other tight end injuries. If you have another guy that you picked up, like a a Kyle Rudolph, who's been productive, um, you know, depending on his injury extent, if he's going to play or not, you know, even even a guy like Zach Ertz, he was – you know, a stud last year and he was healthy. He's been not healthy, you know, the beginning of this year, but he could be a guy that you find on the waivers and picked up, you know, if if the initial owner dropped him and needed somebody else to play while he was out and, and through the bye. Um, I mean, he's expected to come back full force this week. So uh, he's a guy that I would definitely look at as a potential fill in. for for Jordan Reed, or if you're going to play, you know, double up on your flex spot and your tight end spot with two tight ends, you can make that work. But just based on injury history alone, and what I think you could get for Reed, um, I'm definitely selling them.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's tough with all the injuries, but I, I, you know, we've, we've said that before with Reed, you know, I wouldn't gonna I wasn't going to draft him where he was going um because of the injury history so i definitely can agree with you there as far as waiver wire pickups this week or free agent pickups cuz waivers have probably already gone in in most leagues um it's been a pretty slow it was a pretty slow week honestly um i mean we're we're talking it was it was led by guys like Eddie Royal and Robert Woods i mean it's ugh. um you know, I already spoke about Royal a little bit. He's, he's kind of the pickup because Kevin White is hurt and maybe Ashan Jeffrey Jeffrey's a little dinged up. So Royal is getting a lot of targets. He's had a good start to the season, but we've seen this before with him. Um, you know, Robert Woods, Sammy Coates, Sammy Coates is kind of interesting. I mean, everybody thought that he was, he was, um, I was really high on him early in the preseason. And then things kind of started going downhill for him during camp and I got off of him and now he's kind of gotten back in the good graces of the team. And with big Ben and with Wheaton really struggling, he's kind of taken over and with Eli Rogers hurt, you know, he's kind of taken back that number two receiver spot. And he, and he's been decent. He's kind of a speculative ad, like more of a stash type player. I don't think I'd be able to start him right yet, but you know, he's, He's definitely there. Um, and, you know, Dontrell Inman is also an, another pickup too. So, you know, th- those guys are really kind of all there is. Um, you know, what, r- real quick on Woods, you know, it, with, with, with Sammy Watkins out, you know, he's going to be kind of the guy, but he's going to be inconsistent, I think. And Inman, as much as as much as I like Inman, I kind of think there's a lot of inconsistency that's going to happen there. But I don't know. What, what do you think about Woods and Inman?
0: Um, I mean, I I like them. I actually got both of them in uh, I think in our league in the fantasy six pack league. I put in a claim on Wentz and and those two guys and. I, I had to put Wentz first just because, you know, it was the no-brainer option of the three. But I was pretty surprised to see that I got the other two guys because I thought other other people would have jumped on him, especially with Watkins being out. I mean, we've already talked about him ad nauseum this year. And, you know, he he's now officially on the IR, so it's not like a game as to whether or not he's going to be there. He's not. So... You know that he's not, and, and Woods has produced when given the chance, but at the same time, it's it's like he he hasn't been given enough opportunity in Rex's system. So, I I I, I kind of got him more as a speculative ad, um, but I think you know he had a really nice game last week. I think he can be that kind of player week in and week out if given the opportunity uh inman on the other hand you know everybody was
1: <clears throat>
0: jumping on the uh the bandwagon with him uh as well you know not not as much as uh Tyrell Williams but you know he was the other guy and and he's had some productive games as well Uh, And and San Diego is just a hotbed of receiver injuries with Allen, you know, two years straight now being out. Um, But I I love Inman this week. I love the matchup that they have. And, you know, I think they're going to – I think that they're going to be able to put up points, both of those guys, uh, this week in that matchup against Oakland. So uh, I definitely like both of them. I think Inman is going to be able to produce – you know, maybe not every week and maybe not at a super high level, but if you need bi-week fill-ins or, or potential flex guy, I definitely like them for those options. Um, but with that, that's pretty much the the main pickups we were looking at this week. Uh, obviously, waiver's clear today, so take a look and see if any of these guys are still out there, though, and, and if they are, it might be worth taking a flyer on. But looking ahead for week five, We'll go into our uh, our typical best and worst fantasy games and then our sleepers and busts. So I'm going to go ahead and start with both of my games. My, my best fantasy game that I think is uh, Atlanta and Denver, uh, Atlanta at Denver. I mean, we've seen what Atlanta's done. They've just done nothing but put up points. Um, so I think this is going to be a good test for them. Denver, I think – I heard is sixteen and two in home games over the last two two years. I guess so. It's definitely a tough place to play, but I have Atlanta winning this game. I think that they're going to come in and they're going to surprise Denver. Um, I, I think it's, it's going to happen. Survivor
1: pick on the fantasy edge. Friday nights, by the way.
0: I did. I said would you or I should would I pick it <laughs> I guess uh so. I don't know if I'd pick it for my survivor pick no yeah but I I'm picking it in my my pickem pool because I'm uh I, I'm pretty much almost dead last in it so I got to take some chances on some games um my worst game I I'm going with tomorrow night's tilt uh Arizona at San Fran we've already talked about Palmer being out Um, Drew Stanton takes over for him. Uh, so I just, I see, I still think David Johnson's going to have a good game. I wouldn't be surprised if San Fran, you know, got a, a a lot more, um, you know, seven man fronts to, to slow him down and and kind of force Stanton to throw the ball. But I just think it's going to be kind of a low scoring affair um, you know, at most maybe like a 21-10 game or 21-13 uh, and, and I think San Fran's going to take it, personally.
1: Yeah, I looked at that Arizona game when I was doing this, but it's staying away from it for some reason. My my best game is actually going to be the San Diego-Oakland game. You had already talked about with Inman and how how juicy of a matchup this is. Um, this This one should be really high scoring, although it seems like Every time we say that, it seems to be the lowest scoring game. So, beware, everybody. I just put my hex on this game. Um, (laughs) The worst fantasy game, I'm going with Tennessee and Miami. Um, Mariota looks lost in his second year, which I'm really disappointed in. I thought he was going to take a a step forward. He he looked real good his rookie year, but it's just not happening. Um, Miami... The backfield's a mess. Even with Foster there, it's just not good. Um, they looked absolutely horrible last week, and I don't think it gets much better against pretty much anybody. It this is a bad, a bad, bad game there, both sides of the ball. Um, <clears throat> On to our sleepers and bus. Um, my quarterback sleeper is going to be Brian Hoyer. I know, you know, we talked about the injuries to the receivers, but Hoyer is really surprising and he's made things work with less, you know, before. So I think he can definitely keep it up. You know, he likes Zach Miller. Now, of course, Zach Miller doesn't play and really all he's left with is Eddie Royal. Then no, thank you. Um, uh, you can scratch this one off my sleepers list. But if he's got Zach Miller, and at least a seventy-five percent, Alshon Jeffrey, and Eddie Royal, then okay, I, I'm on board with Hoyer still. You know he he gets he gets a, a pretty a pretty nice matchup this week Um against I believe it's what are they They're playing Indy, right? Um, yeah, at Indy. At Indy. You know. Indy is surprising people when it comes to like their pass defense and they haven't let up a lot of passing touchdowns, but they've let up a lot of passing yards. So I think it's only a matter of time before the touchdowns start coming. And, you know, it could start this week with Hoyer. My my sleeper running back is gonna be Duke Johnson. I kind of think that the Patriots are gonna come out and Fire on all cylinders and just score, score, score. Brady's going to try and put up one of those, you know, fifty-point games that he's he's known to do, uh, just to kind of shove it to the NFL right now. That's what he I think he wants to do, and that plays right into the hand of Duke Johnson. It's going to take Crowell out of the game. It's going to put Duke Johnson in, and he's just going to. He may not score. But especially in like a PPR league, you could see him. You could see him catch ten bat, ten passes for like 120 yards or something crazy like that. You know, that's the type of game that I could see from Duke Johnson. And my receiver, you know, you t- you just talked about him earlier, uh, Dontrell Inman. You know, he's he's still ranked below the rest of the receivers on that on that team, uh, behind Benjamin, and behind Tyrell Williams. But Inman is kind of gaining the confidence. Of rivers, and I, I could see him overtaking Williams, you know, more permanently uh, here going forward, and, and starting with this week, and, and a good matchup against Oakland. Yeah, um, to
0: keep Williams on the the, I guess proverbial back burner, uh, the the guy in first place in my one league dropped him to pick up Martellus Bennett, who I dropped. Um, I forget who I picked up instead, but. You know, I didn't really need Bennett. I think he ended up being a third tight end on my team. Um, so, you know, I didn't necessarily want to drop him, but, you know, it happens. And, and like you said, I agree. I think Inman can be a better option um, and deep threat than, than Williams. Um, my my sleepers here, I'm looking at a guy that we also already talked about, uh, uh, fits six-pick or or Fitz interception, uh, Fitzpatrick. um, You might think that he's got a tough matchup going against Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh's actually given up a lot of points to opposing quarterbacks. Now, I feel like part of that could be because they've been just destroying the teams they've been playing um, and giving them the opportunity to get back into the games, um, you know, we saw the first week Monday night, um, or was it Sunday night against Washington? Monday night, Cousins had over 300 yards on 43 attempts, no touchdowns, so that that hurts. But Andy Dalton had 54 attempts for 366 and one touchdown. Uh, We saw what uh, Mr. Wensylvania did to him, another 300-yard game with two touchdowns. And uh, Alex Smith, of all people, is the only one to not put up 300 yards. Not really a surprise. But, again, 50 attempts and two touchdowns. So I can easily, easily see Fitzpatrick topping 65, 70 attempts in this game. And, and probably balls,
1: having,
0: <laughs> Jesus. probably having another nine interceptions,
1: but he could also I mean, have four touchdowns. So are they ever going to run the balls? It'll be like a ten rushing game.
0: <laughs> yeah, but Belial Powell will have probably you know eight eight rushing attempts, and Forte might have about twelve. But yeah, it's it's Fitzpatrick's game to lose. I mean, he's in the doghouse you know, they they were talking, um uh I think Damian Woody is the guy's name. He he's the ESPN big dude, used to play for the Patriots and the Jets, and he went off on Fitzpatrick. So take a look at that. But moving on, um, we've got the uh running back. I'm looking at Mr. Terrence West for Baltimore. Um, he he came in and was finally deemed the starter, which we kind of felt like was going to happen uh, at some point. And Forsett just hasn't been producing and has since been cut. Um, But, you know, West came in and had a a really good game against Oakland um, this past weekend in a loss and had over a hundred yards. So I, I can see him, I can see him doing that again, but you know, we'll, we'll see Washington's been kind of hit or miss um, with their opponents. And, you know, my, my receiver that I'm looking at, maybe not necessarily a, a sleeper because of the name power that he has, as well as his overall ranking of being in the top 20 this week. But I'm calling Amari Cooper a sleeper this week because he's been outplayed by Michael Crabtree every week this this year so far. Crabtree has been awesome, and he was destroying it last week. So if this San Diego-Oakland game is going to be as good of a game as Joe made it before he hexed it, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think... I think Cooper can finally get back and and outplay Crabtree. But I think I think the teams are just really focusing on him instead of Crabtree and that's why he's getting, you know, the production he's getting and Crabtree's getting what he's getting. So I mean, you look at look at the stats here and I mean, it's it's not even close. Crabtree's averaging, you know, he's got 100-yard game and, and four touchdowns thanks to the three this past week. Um, but Cooper, he has no touchdowns yet. Zero. Zero touchdowns. His first game was, you know, 137 yards. That was great. But where he been since then? Five for 71, four for 62, and five for 48. Meanwhile, Crabtree is ripping off, you know, seven for 87 in the first week, four for 31 with a touchdown the second week, eight for 102 in week three, and seven for 88 and three touchdowns last week. I think that this game's going to be big. I think it's going to be high scoring. The defenses might as well just not even be on the field. Um, but I think Cooper finally breaks through and gets his first touchdown, so that's why I'm calling him a sleeper.
1: All right, I mean, yeah, the ranking doesn't exactly qualify him as much of a sleeper, but I, I I get your point there. You know, he's been outperformed, so it's it's an interesting take on it. But um, um, so my my bust for the week is actually going to be it's actually going to be Eli Manning and I know a lot of people are looking at this matchup and thinking the Packers are allowing a lot of passing yards but you know we we've seen this before from from the Giants you know they've had the Cowboys who are are decent we've had this we've had them face the Saints and be a total bust we had them face the Redskins and basically be a bust and then on Monday night against the Vikings he was atrocious the Vikings are shutting down everybody so that was half expected I I don't see it from Eli Manning I don't see it from this New York Giants offense right now Sterling Shepard is by far their best player it's not Odell Beckham and you know we've heard rumors coming out that Odell Beckham's not having fun anymore you know goalposts are hitting him in the you know kicking or whatever you kicking nets on the sideline or hitting him in the face. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, it, it's not looking good for them right now. Um, so he's my boss there, my boss running back, you know, I kind of said it before kind of with, uh, with Brady coming back, I'm kind of afraid that blunt's going to get taken out of the game plan a little bit this week. I think they're going to pass, pass, pass. Um, and and Blunt's gonna have a, a little bit down of a week. You know, he's been pretty much top ten all year long, so look for him to kinda have a down week. And my bust receivers, I'm gonna say everybody from Arizona. You hit it right on the head, man. I am not I am not on the Arizona receivers. We've seen Stanton in the past and it is not good. You don't want anything to do with these Arizona receivers right now. Um it's gonna be the David Johnson show, hopefully. Uh, that's so that's my take there.
0: Yeah, I'm all for David Johnson having a huge week. <laughs> I've got him in every every one of my leagues, but uh, good for you, I, man. So I've so got my, him in one. <laughs> yeah, he he is my first pick. Well, first pick in two of them, and he was my tenth round keeper in my league. So,
1: Ooh, nice.
0: That was that that was fantastic. <laughs> um, all right, my my thoughts are not even really worth talking a lot about and we need to move anyways. But Stafford junk, junk last week, he's going up against, uh, you know, I can't call him the best defense because Minnesota is clearly the best defense. Well, it's kind of a toss up between Minnesota and Denver, but Minnesota said they're shutting everybody down. So, uh, you know, I, I just don't like Stafford against his Eagles defense. The Eagles have put up double digit points as a defense. You know, every week, um, at, at least in, in my league, I'm not—I can't quote that for standard, but they've—they've um, they've been a much better defense with Jim Schwartz. So I think Stafford, Theo Riddick, uh, Marvin Jones—they're all in for for a rough day, especially with the Eagles coming off a bye. Uh, my running back pick is Lamar Miller. Um, you know, I I think. He's been okay this year. I don't think he's lived up to the, the hype that he got coming into the year yet, but he's, you know, I, I just don't like him this week. I, I don't like him at all going against Minnesota's defense. Like we said, they're they're killing everybody. Um, they have – they finally allowed their first touchdown this past week, but – Nobody has gotten running backs combined have not gotten over 80 yards against this defense. Um, so I, I just don't like him this week. Um, and then my my receiver is is your boy Julio Jones. I I think he's not going to eclipse you know the 200 yard mark this week. Um, I I do think that okay. game could be. I do think the game could be kind of higher scoring, but again, Denver's defense has been locked down uh, against opposing receivers, so I'm not really looking for him to, to blow up the way that he did. I don't know if he'll do that again this season anyways, but they've only given up three touchdowns overall and over 100 yards to receivers once, and that was against Cincinnati with most likely Mr. A.J. Green. Of so, course. Can he have over 100 yards? Yes. Is he still someone you're going to start? Yes. But I, I just think that, that expectations should be tempered for him, especially in DFS, because you know after last week's output, he's probably gonna be the most expensive receiver. Maybe not because of the matchup. Uh and like, yeah, you know, I
1: don't I I don't think so. I haven't looked at DraftKings or anything yet, but I would highly I, I haven't looked at it yet either. I would either. bet it's still uh, um, Antonio Brown.
0: Yeah, I, I think it will be. But I mean I'm still still reeling after my awesome twenty seven dollar win in DraftKings last week, so um I, I just haven't had a chance to look at it yet myself. But yeah, I still think he might be one of the top costs. I'm not buying it. He's number, he's it. number uh,
1: two. He's behind. He's behind Brown by 200 bucks. Brown's 98. Okay. Jones is 96 on this draft. 90? No. Absolutely. You could spend at 8,900. <laughs> I'm not paying for that. No, absolutely not. I'm not, I'm not paying, paying for any, any of
0: those guys this week. I mean, probably not. Green could have a good game, but I, I, I'm just not – I'm not buying it. Um, I mean, you're you know.
1: talking you have to have a 30-point outing from both of those guys in order to bring back enough value for it to matter. So, that, that's a lot. Um, I, I don't think yeah, I do that's,
0: that. I don't think they're going to have it. I don't even think Brown will have a 30-point game this week. Um, I mean, he's got probably the best matchup of all of them, but eh. – I, I, yeah, I can tough. still see him being, I, I could still see him being high twenties. So that's why yeah. he's my sleeper, but let's move on to baseball and close this thing out.
1: Yeah. So baseball ended uh, a lot of you that were in rotisserie leagues probably went all the way to the wire. Those of you who are in head to head leagues to go to the end. Like I had a couple that actually went to the last week, went to the end. Um, I know you had a league that went to the end, and you were in the finals, right?
0: I was. I was indeed.
1: My How did you end was, up doing? Uh,
0: my team was... I, I, I'm still kind of surprised at my myself and my team. Um, managed to rattle off, I believe, six straight wins to get into the playoffs. And then... I I just fell apart in the last the last round, really over yeah, the last week. Yeah, six straight wins, so I was the hottest team going into the playoffs. Um, I, I had a somewhat close match up in the first the first week, um, but I took out a guy. I was the five seed. I took out uh, the the four seed by twenty points, basically and the next week my team really managed to put it together and i put out the most points of anybody in the league um including the guy that i had just beaten he was the second highest he he almost he was like 3 points behind me but then like i said my team in, in the last week i ended up losing by a, by 101 points um all because of the last weekend
1: the guy, 101
0: or Hundred, a hundred and one points. It was eight ninety seven to seven ninety six. Okay. So I had a, I had a, a nice lead going in into Thursday's game, the twenty eighth. He put up a hundred and twenty points to my thirty points, overtook the lead. You know, I, I had a little bit of a cushion. You know, going into it, clearly blasted me that day, and. The, the moral is typically when you play four pitchers or five pitchers of your five starting roster spots, you get destroyed by them. They throw up negatives or single-digit games and whatever. This guy had uh, Jamison Taillon put up a 24 spot against Jake Arietta of all freaking pitchers. Um, who decided to just suck and have his worst game probably of the season that day. Uh, Francisco Liriano against Baltimore put up 22 points. And thankfully the only reason that happened was because Osuna blew the save for him. But guess who had Osuna? I did. And he got a negative five. So that was, (laughs) that was like a huge swing of at least 13 points. Um, he picked up James Paxton, you know, before our matchup or or early in our matchup, who I had the matchup before, and he got an 18 spot out of him, and then he picks up Clay freaking Buckholz, who puts up 21 points for him, um, and, and it was just a spot start for him. I don't think he had him the rest of the matchup, but he had good games, you know, the last the previous two games.
1: Yeah, that last so, week is pretty screwy, man. <laughs> He he absolutely destroyed me
0: alone with those four guys. Um, and my offense just didn't show up. I picked up uh, – I had Elvis Andrews. I dropped him um, the Thursday before and, and whatever to try to find guys, but whatever. Either way, yeah, I, I don't want to just go through every single guy on the roster, but my guys <laughs> just didn't show up that last weekend. And – And I I basically, from Thursday on, I only put up 30 points, 32 points, 35 points. I had a good day on October 1st and put up 101 points, but then only put up 22 points on the last day, and I I didn't have a pitcher or a pickup to get another pitcher. He wasted his last pickup on Hulis Chassin and got 31 more points to add insult (laughs) to injury on freaking Sunday. Um yep. because I had yep. I had Musgrove and they decided not to start him and Lackey didn't start. He was supposed to start too, so he got screwed. I got screwed out of like two or three pitchers that should go yeah, dude, have gone Yeah. It would it wouldn't have mattered though.
1: Uh I'll tell you, so I I was in the finals too last week of the season. Another head to head points league like yours. Um this was my dynasty league, so it's very deep, very pitcher heavy. Um and I usually, you know, kind of cruise through because I have a lot of pitchers. But all my pitchers before, like basically the weeks up to the playoffs, all decided to get hurt. I'm talking Dallas Keuchel, Degrom, Salazar, Sonny Gray got hurt, but that was probably a good thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, I'm I'm blanking on somebody else that got hurt too. There was somebody else really good for my team that got hurt. You're talking like five of my six best pitchers. The only guy I had, the only two good pitchers that I had left were Hamels and sale. And those two actually didn't do that great toward the end of the season. So I'm limping into the playoffs, limping bad. And uh, I, I squeak through the first two rounds. I get to the finals and the guy in the finals, the week before me, I score like 310 points, which is decent for my league. It's a little bit different than yours. The yeah. guy I'm playing does real off 500 points, which was which is like out of this world good for our league. Like 400 is good. 500 unheard of. So I'm like, well, this is over. I don't have pitchers. So I started going out and like just picking up players, picking up random guys, hoping they'll hit. Thankfully, all his pitchers for the first four days give him like neg- – he's got like negative 40 points from his pitching for the first like four days. And I was like – holy crap, I might have a chance here. Um, I got a pretty sizable lead. I ended up winning it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I picked up guys like Julius Chasin. Uh, I picked up some other garbage guys. They all did pretty good. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I lost guys like Musgrove, too, for the week. And I'm sitting there going, like, I, you know, there was one day I thought I had, like, seven pitchers. I went in the next day. That same day, I'm down to, like, three pitchers starting. I'm like, what is going on? Fantasy baseball should not be played the last week of the season, people. The same thing is week 17 of the NFL. Teams don't care unless they're in the playoff hunt. Teams that have made the playoffs start benching their pitchers, or they only pitch them like two innings. So you're forced to start guys, but then they don't do anything. Like they're not worth really using. So it's horrible. I hate this last week. I really should not have won this league. Let's put it that way. Like, I didn't have the best team at the end of the year. But because it was played in the last week and I ended up playing matchups, I won. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to just give a couple minutes just to kind of rant. Like, I'm going to take your, like, rant session from you today. And That's cool. I didn't have <laughs> league. <laughs> this this <coughs> league, I, I know we've talked about it before. This league, when it first got started two years ago, it didn't have a innings limit For the week. And we've talked a little bit about that. Um, And, you know, I look, I made it very aware to everybody. I told everybody before the draft. I emailed everybody, tried to get it changed. Nothing really changed. Uh, So I took advantage of it during the draft. Well, not took advantage of it. I just drafted smart. You know, I drafted to the rules. I knew that I needed a lot of pitchers, you know, to really give myself an advantage and it worked. And I dominated the first year. I mean, I dominated, I lost twice the entire season this year. I lost four or five times. Now we lowered the limit to 90 because even I saw that, Hey, having no limit, I mean, I was racking up like 130 innings to some teams that couldn't even put out like 45. That wasn't fun. It wasn't fair. So I said, okay, knock it down to like 90 That'll force me to drop some pitchers. It'll force some of these other teams that have a lot of p- pitchers to drop pitchers. The teams that don't have a lot, we'll pick them up and we'll, we'll cover the, the difference. Um, teams started complaining. Teams have dropped out of the league. Now, you know, they're talking about dropping the limit even more. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. So wait, now I'm going to be punished Because not only did I tell you that this rule wasn't, wasn't in place and we were all going to regret it later, but now that I have drafted heavy pitching, I didn't draft heavy hitting, although I've got some decent hitters and it's ultimately what got me through the playoffs somehow. But I passed on a lot of really good hitters because I knew I needed pitching. I drafted some subpar pitchers knowing that. And so now if they lower the limit even more, they're talking like almost 75, 70 innings, which is really going to make things different. I'm at a huge disadvantage here. And maybe this could it like, is this me just like whining and complaining because I'm not going to be able to win now or like, or I'm going to have to like try harder. Or do I have like a legitimate beef to be like, this messed up. Like, why am I being punished? Because I read the rules before the first year and you didn't.
0: Well, I, yeah, I do think that it does punish you for understanding and and really uh, you you can't really call it taking advantage of the rules. You understood the rules and you drafted and built your team around those rules. Now if they're going to come in and change the rules around completely and make it that much more difficult for yourself and the other, you know, few people that that read and understood the rules as they were written, then that sucks. I I think it needs to go out to a vote and, and every, it needs to be a consensus uh, approval of what is acceptable to change. So, I mean, otherwise it, it just puts more work on you to have to retool your team and build around to the new rules. Because you clearly understand what's going on, you know, from having won the league, you know, every year, and the other people don't. I I think maybe they're trying to change it to to try to screw you somehow, but, you know, it's kind of bull to do that. So, you know, I I think overall it needs to go out to a vote, and everybody needs to voice their opinion on it and come to an, an equally approvable change
1: yeah otherwise, my my you know, feeling. Otherwise is I don't of, know if I would stay in that league there's um, really only like four teams that I think would vote to keep it maybe not even that many that would vote to keep it that way so I think it would ultimately lose I mean you have to imagine like the okay so last year there was maybe like three teams that could have possibly won it this year there was in my opinion there was like five or six teams that could have possibly won it so like just decreasing yeah. it from nothing to 90 really made a difference. Um, yeah. I think people just are kind of frustrated with the whole dynasty aspect of it. And, like, they don't have the patience to, like, build their team. Like, okay, you drafted really poorly year one. Fix it. Don't make – don't change the rules to fix it. Fix it. Wait out your team oh, yes. like you're supposed to in a dynasty. Eventually, my team's going to suck. Eventually, my team that, is going to be terrible. It's, it happens.
0: That's just how the di- the whole dynasty aspect of it is. I mean, I I didn't even um, I, I've before last year I've never done a dynasty league, so uh, I'm in a, a, the baseball league as well, and the same deal. Like going into it, I didn't really read the exact rules and figure out what the pitching was and whatever, and I kind of thought it was geared more towards my pitcher heavy lead that I I was just talking about. So it wasn't at all. And relief pitchers were really where you wanted to go because there was a ridiculous amount of categories. I finally talked them down to get that changed and whatever else. But I built my team the first year with like really heavy starting pitching that ended up hurting me. And, a lot of like younger talent um, and and really built my farm system up. But this year I went into it a completely different manner and I made a bunch of trades that, you know, I probably lost out on somewhat. um, But I gave up Garrett Cole uh, and got draft pick um, within that deal. I got two draft picks within that deal. So I ended up having four picks in a row because I wanted to retool my whole team because of last year I did so poorly last year that I basically phoned it in. I mean, I, I still paid attention. I didn't, I didn't phone it in that way. I still paid attention and made moves and tried to pick guys up, but I knew that, that, that I wasn't winning last year. There was no way I was getting close. And this year I made a nice push and I got into the playoffs. So you know, I was happy with that transition and it was more or less just understanding the rules. So I think people need to to look at it and be able to understand and go from there.
1: Yeah, I mean, real quick to finish this, the, the commissioner of the league sent out an email saying, you know, people had complaints and people had actually left the league already because they didn't, you know, they were like, I had no chance, blah, 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 blah. And, and look, I've had issues with this league with the rules and the way things have been run. I have said that many times about this league, but you know, you, you can't, you can't sit there and, and I think change it so drastically. I mean, at this point, basically if they do this, we have to redraft. I mean, there's, there's no fair way to do it, which would suck because I would lose Mookie Betts and Nolan Arenado who are like my two super stud, you know, young guys on my offense who I'm just riding right now. But, uh, I I know I'll lose them. There's no way I'll get both of them. So, totally sucks. Um, but, I don't know. I'll, I'll keep you all posted. It'll be kind of interesting to see what happens with this league. I'm not really sure if it's going to stand stand next year. It seems like it's kind of in, in disarray here. But I want to give a couple end-of-season awards out here. You know, we'll go through and do best value hitter, bust hitter, best value pitcher, bust pitcher, best waiver wire pickup, and biggest surprise. And, you know, we got – a little less than ten minutes to go, so, so we'll rip through these. I'll give mine first. My best value hitter draft wise with Jonathan VR. Um the guy was a monster this year. Nobody nobody saw this coming from him. I mean everybody thought that when he went to went to Milwaukee, he was gonna be, you know, just sitting there waiting for Or Orlando Arcia to come up and and it just it it just never really happened. Instead VR just just crushed it, man. And uh so he is definitely my best value pick, you know, talking undrafted in, in probably a lot of leagues, but you know, definitely at the very, very end of drafts. I mean sixty two stolen bases, whoo, and almost twenty home runs too. Pretty nasty. Um my best hitter and kind of unfair because he did ultimately get hurt uh again but Giancarlo Stanton um I I don't know what else to say about this guy but I'm tired of him I will never ever draft Stanton in a league ever look he could go out and hit 60 home runs next year he's got the talent to do it I know he does but he gets hurt every single year and this year when he was in he was not good he was just straight bad for a good portion of the season. He got hot for a little bit and then, boom, got hurt. So big bust hitter there. Um, I'll stop there and let you give your hitter so we don't lose track of where we're going. So you go ahead and give okay. your best value hitter.
0: Yeah, real quick on Stanton. I, I ended up burning a pickup on him in my championship matchup. And he, he was next to worthless for me. I mean, he he didn't play every game. He sat out, like, the last three or four games, which made it easier for me to figure out who I was and wasn't starting. But it, it was really a waste to pick up. And it's a shame because the guy's got tremendous talent, got tremendous power, but he's always injured. So um, my hitters, my, my best value hitter is uh, Ian Desmond. I mean – I know we talked a lot about him. We were both really big on him coming into the year. And, and I grabbed him in, you know, two of my leagues, um, my redraft leagues, and sat on him for the first month or whatever it was, and he did nothing. And I had to drop him. Well, I didn't have to, but I, in my mind I did. So I dropped him, and then he blows up. As soon as he gets freed from my team, he blows up and has an amazing season. Um, you know, he was shortstop eligible, even though I don't think he played a single game at shortstop. Um, and he he was just a huge reason for Texas's success in my mind. Um, so he, he was my value hitter because he was a guy that didn't really get drafted really that high.
1: Um, so now you could probably get him in like 10th round in a lot of leagues.
0: Yeah. And um you know, he he had the talent. He he finished out, like I said, um, you know, playing center field for for the most part, but yeah, he was a twenty twenty guy, two eighty five average, twenty two homers, eighty six RBIs. Um, you know, all all in line or higher than his career stats. Yep. So definitely like Desmond. My bust hitter here is Chris Davis um you know again he he was next to worthless in last night's game i don't need to bring that back up but two strikeouts you know went over 3 i think or over 4 i think he finally had he a walked. walk
1: maybe he did walk yeah but yeah nothing yeah.
0: but but that whatever uh, i mean he he's been a huge disappointment in year 1 of that contract that they you know, signed for him. And, and I hope that that changes next year, but he's a huge strikeout guy kind of always has been. And that's, that's why he's my
1: boss. Yeah. Don't blame me, man. Uh, I struggled with Davis in a couple of different places <clears> this year, but um, anyway, best value pitcher for me is Kyle Hendricks, man. This guy might actually win the Cy Young in the national league. It's, it's going to be close. Um, he was the best pitcher on that staff, which is shocking considering they have Arietta. Um, and you could get him for almost nothing in drafts. So Kyle Hendricks is my best value pitcher. My best pitcher, again, not totally fair because he got hurt and he was out for the rest of the year once he did get hurt. But Matt Harvey, dude, people were thinking he was going to be back, you know, top 10 pitcher. He was awful. And you know, we're talking an ERA close to five. I think he had like one good start and everybody lost their minds and then he was bad again. So big bust pitcher there. I'm not really sure I can go near Matt Harvey next year in, in drafts, but we'll have to see. I'll have to look at the numbers some more with him. So your 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 pitchers are up. And I think we lost AJ. Hang on. Let me see if Oh yeah
0: you know. I'm here. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Your your pitchers yeah. are up. <laughs>
0: my my pitchers are two guys that, that I owned, um, on my championship team for one of them for the whole year and one of them for most of the year. Um, uh, Jose Catana was, was a real bright spot this year. You know, he was the, the guy that didn't get the Chris sale light and hype, but it was another guy that we were both high on. And, um, uh, you know, he, he just performed well. I, it was kind of between him and, and Lackey as far as what, what I was looking at. Um, then my my bust pitcher here is Mr. Uh, Jason Zimmerman, I believe his name is. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Jordan Zimmerman.
1: Um, uh, you're so hilarious, man. It was probably the last time I was able to
0: get that one in on you.
1: So Maybe. He's actually Maybe we'll not, talk about he's it actually,
0: yeah he's actually not my pick. no, I'm just kidding he's my pick um, <laughs> the the guy he, had he, he had a brilliant April, and he looked like for and i know for you and for me, you know he was a bright spot in our rotation and well worth the you know being our potentially first or second pitcher drafted because of the output he had going to a team with a real powerful offense and and a Mm -hmm. decent ballpark. And then he just absolutely fell off because of these injuries. And, and, you know, you kind of have to blame it on the injuries, but, you know, they were talking about how he, he came back and pitched a relief outing and was looking pretty good. And then when he went to start again, sucked again. In the last yeah. week, I, I almost picked him up just to just to say, well, I rode the guy all year. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me blow a pickup decision. on him in my championship game, and then I was like, yeah, no, that's not happening.
1: And you I'm know. glad I didn't. You know.
0: uh, another, he, another he guy was, was a Iowa. major disappointment.
1: Yeah, he was he was awful. And God, I think somebody almost tried to trade. Someone wanted to, to, me to trade him to them in April, like middle of April, and I didn't do it. So I'm mad at myself. Anyway, I I wanted, uh, I wanted we wanted got 90 him, seconds. But we I need couldn't. to really hurry up here. Best waiver wire pick up for me is Tanner Roark. Uh, second in line was Aaron Sanchez. The only reason why I didn't pick him totally was because they kind of limited his workload, so he didn't give you the full value there at the end of the league. But both of those guys were totally legit all year long. Yep.
0: Mine is Gary Sanchez, and I pick him yeah, because very, he very was such a late guy. He was a monster at the end of the year and, and helped yeah, get me to the championship. My my yeah, other absolutely. one would have been uh, uh, the shortstop, I'm blanking on his name now, that I that I loved and have uh, yeah. from Colorado. <clears throat>
1: um, oh, Trevor, story. Biggest surprise to yeah, me story, is Dozier. After two months of the season where he only hit five home runs, he finished with 42. This is unbelievable.
0: Yeah, my, my surprise is Craig Kimbrell. He went to, you know, one of the best teams from one of the worst teams and his ERA was atrocious at 340. You know, he still had a lot of strikeouts, but he whip, whip at 109. His career is .95. Only blew two saves, which kind of surprised me, but he had six losses. So the guy was just miserable as a closer up there. Yeah.
1: So I think we might go a little over here, but I, I want to do this anyway because this actually just got asked to me on Twitter. So, we'll do this real quick. Um, um, So, this guy's in a league where it's a PPR. You can only have four wide receivers slash tight ends. His receivers right now are A.J. Green, Travis Benjamin, Macklin, and then Decker. So, he's asking, should he drop, I'm assuming Decker, for Steve Smith. Inunua, Michael Floyd, John Brown, Sterling Shepard, Eddie Royal, or Jimmy Graham? I'm going to go with Shepard just because I think he's going to be more consistent all year long than anybody else on that list.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely like Shepard and, and maybe Graham uh, as one and 1A. One and then, you know, I like Steve Smith too, especially if, uh, if Decker's going to miss a lot of time. Smith is finally getting the targets again and Baltimore is obviously throwing the ball a ton. I think that might change. They're going to scale that back, but um, Steve Smith's kind of a, a distant too, but I, I like Shepard and Graham.
1: Yeah. Yep. Those are, those are two good answers there, but uh, we are over the time. Unfortunately, hopefully this didn't, um, hopefully this gets caught in the recording. I believe it does. So, Anyway, we will finish the night off. Sorry for going a little long, everybody, but a lot to cover with some baseball. Wanted to make sure we got to that, and um, that's it for all, for the show. We will be back next week, same time, same channel. Have a good one, everyone. All
0: right, see you next week. Peace.